you're about to enter seventh heaven. If you like this pod, then you can show your support by rating us five stars and hitting that little subscribe button to help us climb the pod rankings and spread the sevens gospel. If you're looking for extra content, you can go to our YouTube page or our social channels, Twitter and Instagram, our handle at seventh heaven pod. Again, like, subscribe, share, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back once again to your Celestial One Stop Pod for all things Rugby Sevens. I'm Bernsey and I'm joined this week by Chip and Bert. God, I almost said his name because it's so weird not having Mitch here. Mitch is not in the clouds because he's in the birthing pool. He's an expectant father, hopefully adding a new member to his family. So wishing Mitch and Flo all the best during their contractions tonight. And hopefully there'll be big bouncing news to deliver to the people soon. But we've got a great show lined up for you. As I said, Burt's and Chip in the house. We're joined by Canada Sevens captain Nate Hirayama, who's just been in the desert playing in the Emirates Sevens. And KT, none other than Carl Tanana. Finally, a real commentator on the pod, dropping us some news from down under. But guys... First things first, how are you? Hey, to be honest, um, it's nice of Mitch to use that baby Rue to get out of um, coming on the pod because he was a bit mean to me last week in training. Um, Towards the end of a really tough session, um, he was on the other team to me and I saw him looking at me and I thought, oh, like, what's going to happen? And he looked at me again and I thought, ah, this is a bit weird. And the third time he looked up at me, I was like, oh, no, the ball's coming my way. Mitch has looked at me. He's seen that my lungs have gone. He's seen my legs have gone. And I'm like, he's going to kick out. He's going to try and go around me. I was like, Jesus, right, just go backwards, Rich. You can do this. Go backwards, stay on your feet, stay on your feet. Go backwards, drop off, drop off. And then he goes around me with a little chuckle, not even close enough to give his mullet a tickle. Um, really upset um, and I didn't think he'd do that to his mate do you know what I mean like I thought we had the GA gentleman's agreement in place for, for training but apparently not so he can hide his hang his head and hide his face in shame um, Burnsy I wouldn't do it to you and I know Burns you wouldn't try it you wouldn't try it on me um, so Mitch um, hopefully everything's alright with you but you know it's just not right. So if there was a Chippies all this week, it'd be um, don't pick on your mates. The lack of respect. Chippy, you Disgusting. don't sound upset at all. You sound like you've you sound like you've just you sound like after that session you just dropped it, but evidently not. <laughs> so, so obviously I was a bit sad after the session. Then I looked through the numbers of the top speeds from the session, um, and uh, there was only one winner in that one. So um, Mitch, bit of Speedworks, you can sign up with uh, Dan Norton Speedworks, or mate, I can give you some tips, tips and pointers. You let me know when. Well, speaking of speaking of being embarrassed by the fast ones, but World Rugby released a range of videos this week across their social media channels of England women's best tries. And look, I know that I'm 36 next month, but I think my eyes work pretty well and I searched deep, long and hard. And I didn't see any tries from you there, Berts. What's going on? Yeah, they had a really big range of tr- my tries on the series to pick out of. That, that one try that I scored in Canada in 2019 my only one try of the whole series and they didn't put it on there so I, I am a bit offended but at least the twin Alex Matthews is on there at least I can say mum it's me when it's actually not it's Alex just because we both look the same because we're one but 
I'm a facilitator, you know. I'm not a finisher. I think you did pill for a ball at a breakdown that led to a try. So I'll give you the assist. Can we just go back to Mitch for a second, though? Can you imagine Mitch flapping in the birthing room as we speak? <laughs> like he's he's getting he's lighting his Zen candles. He's got the whale music on. He's in his own birthing pool, just connecting. Uh, I can imagine it's quite a scene. I think he's going to be really calm, you know. I think he's just going to be all about being present and being in the moment. He, oh, I've been in stri- sticky situations with Mitch before, you know. We've been under the pump in games. And we've on nights out, he's been in sticky situations as well, where he's about to get punched or anything might happen. And, he, and he's always man- managed to calmly talk himself out of it. So I feel like he's going to be cool as a cucumber. And he's going to be helping. Anyway, Flo's way cooler than him, so she'll be smashing it, I'm sure. I was going to say, you've just compared DS Seven's game to Flo giving birth. That is what you've just compared that to. You've got more control um, in a Sevens game than you have when your wife's giving birth. I'll tell you that for a fact. You are a passenger. <laughs> I was going to ask Chip, what were you, what were you like when little Rudy was born? Were you writing at the breakdown? Down in the mixer, oh, or were you, oh were you? I was giving it the Dan Norton. We see going out on the wing, like giving instructions. Giving it the I was giving Dan it the Norton. Dan Norton. I was coming. In, I, was, I was coming in the wrong side of the breakdown. I was. I was at the top end. I was a motivational speaker. Um, and at one point, I did shout. You, as you would shout to one of your mates in the gym. You know, that's my only experience. Like, go on, push it. Go on, you got this. And I shouted, "You're killing it!" And she, she looked up at me. She said, "What?" Oh, and I mean, uh, no, no, no. Carry on, carry on. Oh God! There, I, there's a new respect for women after you've been in the room when your wife's given birth. Is one of the most amazing moments of your life. Honestly, it's it's unbelievable. Um, I'm like Mitch is. He'll be a new man. He'll be even more zen and even more like present. And the respect you have and like the love after it's it's amazing. It's one of the best things you've, you'll ever be a part. Of. Oh gosh! Oh man, I can't. I can't even. Got a bit emotional here. I can't even make jokes because that was so beautiful, Chip. Oh, that's that's that was really nice. That was lovely stuff. All to look ahead for you there, Bert. Oh, honestly, the thought of actually giving birth. Oh, crikey. I mean, step one for you getting there, Bert's, is you need Chip to stop walking in on your dates, though. Because he, <laughs> he ruined a date, didn't he? Oh, gosh. When, you, when you're walking into Starbucks and you think, yeah, I'm going to go meet this boy who I could potentially like, have something with, and then I see Chip in the corner and I'm like, oh, God, hell no. Hell no, this isn't happening. This is like me sitting there, my dad's in the corner. Thankfully, it was quite a while. It was quite a while ago now, and that boy did did not make the cut. But still, it was so embarrassing. But he walked in, and he was he was going, "What is that? What can I smell? I, oh, it's uh, a load of testosterone and a real man over there." <laughs> oh gosh, so, I was so embarrassed. Do you know what? If the lad's taking you to Starbucks on a first date, he's not good enough for our birds. Not good. I'm glad that glad that Chip was keeping a watchful eye on proceedings. <laughs> it's, it's fate. It was fate. Right now, sevens at its very heart is an international game, and we wouldn't be much of a pod if we weren't bringing you news from New Zealand. I don't think rugby ever went out of business in the land of the long white cloud. And this weekend, the All Black Sevens and Black Fern Sevens were throwing down against each other across three days, which climaxed in a grand final at the Cake Tin at the weekend. And the man 
who is giving us the inside scoop, is your favourite commentator, Mayuso Kaltanana. One night in heaven, one night in heaven. Hey, 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 welcome to the rest of the Southern Hemisphere. Out of lockdown, my mate. I can see the smile from your ear to ear, bro. How well done. Awesome. <laughs> hey, the one thing I will say, I don't know about that jersey over your shoulder, my mate. The Fijian jersey, is, is, I feel like I've got to put my head back on. Oh, <laughs> mate, it's, it's so old school. You've got to respect how old school that jersey is. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think like a retro classic, my bro. Mate, you know it. You know, I've got I've got an old school blues one. I've got the old school blues one I can put up one time next time you're on. <laughs> hey, I'm a hurricane. I hate the blues as well, bro. Sorry about that. <laughs> Mate, speaking of, speaking of hurricanes, were you calling that game Hurricanes against Crusaders at the weekend? No, I was I was down there for another reason, my mate. We um we had um a sevens tournament down there and uh, down at Wellington and they had three days of it and they're replicating um what was happening at the Olympics. So they went through their program and both on the men's and women's side of the draw with the uh, with Olympic programs here in NZ, and they had a uh, Moana Pacifica, which is a makeup of um, all the all the three um, countries in Samoa, Tonga, and Fiji for the ladies' side, and then they had the uh, Black Ferns 15s put a sevens team in, and then they had the two um, squads for the or they had the, they had the broke out the women's squad into two teams, so they played their little mini tournament, and on the men's they had a Samoan Barbars, which is basically the Samoan team that goes on the World Series, and then a Tongan Invitational, and then the men's broke up to two. So the two the two New Zealand squads played each other before the Hurricanes game and after. So it was a really good run out. Mate, let's start with the women's because I'm really interested to know how did the Black Ferns 15s girls go against the Black Ferns sevens girls? Because there would have been plenty of spice in that. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and the thing is too, like um, there's a lot of sevens girls that want to play in the World Cup and want to play in the 15s here in New Zealand next year. So uh, to be honest, they got smashed. The the, the 15 skills got absolutely hammered. So I think there was a bit of a point there made by the seven skills. But mate, the final between Black Ferns Black against Black Ferns White was awesome. They played twice. I think the the Blacks beat the Whites pretty comfortably in the first one, 24-5. But the one afterwards was a humdinger. Yeah, yeah, spicy. And, and you know what it's like. You know the teams play each other. They go away. And then they um they, they analysis do the analysis and then come back and reset and um yeah yeah regardless of them still being into squad man there was some shots put on I mean massive massive shots and there was no call to give in. and fair enough too you know they got uh, basically two teams trying to vie for for a squad of um I think how much how much are they carrying I don't even know how many they came fourteen or fifteen spots for the Olympics you know so it's it's pretty small margins and that was a great opportunity to put your names in lights and. Um, so young kids got a run, and plus the older ones obviously stood out, and some got a rest. But uh, oh, just honestly, the women's game has—I oh, think these ladies have lifted their level from even the last time I seen them. So it was interesting to see them in tournament mode. But it were, there was some, there was some um, good sevens play. Mate, that is not what the world wants to hear. That the Blackburns <laughs> girls have got better than they did last year. I mean, like their season in twenty twenty. Obviously, they didn't win Glendale, but then they won pretty much every other game they played. So that, that's not good news for the rest of the world going into the Olympics, KT. We're meant to be, we're meant to be raising spirits here in seventh heaven. <laughs> oh, no, no, I mean, no, no, you know what it's like. The Olympic Games is the next level. And I think what they've been running on is, is the memory of losing that final to Australia. So that's been sitting for them for four years, you know. And I'm obviously we're all disappointed that, it, that the Olympics, um, I mean, the season, sorry, the seventh season was cut short, but... You have to be inventive, and I think that's what sevens is. You have to find ways to improve. You have to find ways to get better. And 
Um, I think that's probably what I like about the women's squad. You know, they think of outside the box ways to just just try and to try and improve themselves. And you know what it's like when you've got a strong squad and you push each other, and 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 that creates that um, that internal uh, competition which everyone wants, and, and they just have it at the moment. Uh, speaking of that strong competition, there's some good, exciting young players coming through as well who we might not have seen too much of as well. Yeah, yeah, and that's the that's, I suppose the pleasing thing for the coaches. You know, there's a couple of girls I haven't heard of. Um, they got a run. There's a couple that have just come straight out. Some are still at school, right? You know, and, and that's the freaky thing. And, and then they're actually they're not they're not behind any of these experienced players. They're standing up. And the thing for me is that they had a go. They they went frightened to, to to back themselves and have a go on the big stage. And probably more so the men, the, the young ones stood out. No, the ones that were scoring the tries. I'll be honest. So it's a it'll be a, it'll be a good quandary for the coaches to sort of mull over and get a get a balance because you need experience at these big games, but you need that youth and injection as well. So those youngsters who are coming through, you mentioned some of them are still at school. Like, where are they finding their rugby? Is there a thriving women's club game in New Zealand? Or am I right in saying that touch plays a big part in player development from the women's side there? Yeah, I mean, touch is massive at high school over here. So is tag football now as well. We have the flags on your hips and stuff. So um, a lot of these kids, and in particular at the college level, they have um, a lot of the colleges are getting into, into the sevens and they've got the big Condors national tournaments. And it's massive, absolutely massive, you know, and, we're getting to the point now in New Zealand, there's these girls that are coming through and made the Black Ferns uh, wider squad who have been brought up on sevens watching the Porsche Woodmans and the Sarah Hiddenese and they've just wanted to play sevens and that's all they've played. So, um, it, it, and the thing is too, bro, in New Zealand, because there's so many schools, a lot of them, there's only a handful, I suppose, that can be competitive in the 15 side, especially on the, on the women's, women's side. But in sevens, um, you, you know, you only need those small numbers and all these little schools can compete, you know, and and, and they're and they're more on a level playing field. And I think that's what um that's what they've identified here in New Zealand. That's the way to get ladies and girls involved in the game and, and the best pathway for them. And um probably why the, the, the women's side has been so strong while we're getting these kids coming through now. That's awesome. That's so awesome. Well, look, that's the future. But one name I want to talk about is a name. I feel like she has been playing for the Black Ferns forever and ever and ever. And we saw in action Portia Woodman at the weekend. Do you reckon we're going to see her at the Olympics? I mean, she's the she's the she's the OG, isn't she? Yeah. Well, we just brought up some stats too. While the women's games were going on, and it had uh, just like Landry top scored, you know, I think twelve hundred points or something or circuit, and then it had um, Tyler Nathan Wong who was second. We just cracked a thousand, but then it had Portia, and she's just under a thousand and. I was saying on the broadcast, mate, that's all gone up in fives. That hasn't been going up in any kicks or anything. So I was, I was I, I don't know, maybe she's, she's just under 200 tries. You know, she hasn't played on the circuit for two years. So, yeah. you know, just through injury and what have you. But nah, she's looking fit. She's looking real fit, bro, I'll be honest. And I've still been quite cautious with her because, um, you know, she she pulled her hammy quite quite badly to try to make a comeback. So I think they're just easing her in. But, um, yeah, nah, she, 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 I wouldn't mind her seeing on no one playing against the men. I'll be honest, she's that good. She she's unreal, isn't she? Absolutely unreal. It's awesome to see her back there. As you said, just haven't seen enough for over the last couple of years with injuries and stuff yeah. like that. I think I think well, if Burtz was on here, I think that she might have a slightly different opinion of that. But what about the guys? Because again, mate, what a game! What a game! Their second game that came afterwards, seventeen nineteen, the final score. I think the Whites were winning seventeen nil. Then the Blacks were winning seventeen nineteen. Final play. And oh, sorry, yeah, and the final score twenty four nineteen. My yeah. my apologies to to the whites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and once again, super competitive. You know, and you know what it's like when um 
when um, athletes get in an environment. And, and it was funny, like I, I could sort of see it eventuating because they all know each other's calls out, the line outs and back moves and what have you. Uh, I knew straight away something was going to come out because they had a, they kicked to the corner five meters out and I saw an extra man go in the back of the line out. I said, mate, rolling more coming for sure. And they did it, they, <laughs> they executed it. I was like, hey, as you do, was like, when you're a trained leader, I reckon we get five meters out, we'll do a rolling more. But it was, it was awesome, you know, and just the boys thinking about it, taking control of it and, and implementing their own game plan. I think it was quite cool in terms of not only the play to, playing time, but um, I think a big movement's been made on the men's side for them to have a lot more involvement in the game plan and how the team's run and taken over that more so and rather than the coach making the lead. So I think all the guys have gotten buy into it and I think it's made a huge difference to, to what happened uh, this year on the season and, and the sevens and, and now leading to the Olympics. Hey, we, we had this discussion about the five-metre driving more uh like a number of episodes ago i think that it's not in the spirit of sevens chippy is, chippy is like we should be we should be rolling more every time we're on the five every time we're on the five how do you defend it in sevens well that's the thing though you have to see numbers if you go and chippy would probably want to roll him all about 60 meters out let's be honest you know you call it every time call us a number wouldn't he hey keep it in drive it easily well mate every time we've done a fantasy dream team on this he's already picked he's always picked himself as the first player <laughs> so he'd, he'd definitely be calling it to himself and transferring it to himself and putting it down himself um mate the thing that stuck out for me uh, in that men's game was there so many players that i don't think i'd ever heard of and they were yeah. awesome it's like yeah again there's like a whole new raft coming through like but putting genuine pressure on some of the old established names yeah and, and i think um new zealand's been really good in terms of identifying where they fell over last olympics you know and and uh, i think they got caught up in trying to um Get a lot of 15s guys and and promoted that way and, and it sort of didn't work and then the whole lot of rafter guys left experience so they had to sort of re recalibrate and it took a little while for them to find their feet on the on back on the circuit so it's been a real big push to to fill those holes knowing that a lot of guys are probably going to finish after the olympics you know a lot of experience so um that they've got these programs where they um, identify the kids coming out of um coming out of those uh high school uh tournaments and um then they give them seven um, wider training squad um, opportunities and they train with the lads um, full time and then they, they give them study opportunities and, and school them up that way as well. So, um, yeah, it's definitely been something that New Zealand rugby and, and the sevens program in particular are trying to, trying to identify that they need. And, and you're right, like I said before, a lot of those young kids that um, not a lot of people haven't heard of were the ones scoring the points. So it was great for the sevens to give that uh, opportunity. You mentioned the 15s. Do you reckon we're going to see anyone come over from the All Blacks like we did last time? I know we had Sonny Bill come over and he obviously got injured pretty early in the Olympics, but any All Blacks coming over for the sevens? Can you see that happening? Uh, I'll be honest with you, probably not. I, I wouldn't wouldn't say so. Not not the, not the big boys, but um, one thing there, I think Rico said he, he's pretty keen. Rico Ioane said he's pretty keen to have a jam and uh, they might get his brother. But I think the way they've done it was only one super... Rugby guy, one person per franchise was available or, or said from the NZIU that can go and play if they wanted. So um, I know guys like Celeste Rayasi is still wanting to go in there. Caleb Clark is another guy. Yeah. But then you look at the Blues, that's, that's three guys from the Blues, you know. So um, I'm not quite sure what the makeup will be, but I know there's, there's a couple of young guys already saying that they're, they're king. It's a nice little headache to have that, isn't it? I mean, Caleb, <laughs> Caleb Clark just exploded onto the scene, though, last year after he played a little bit on the World Series last year. 
love to see him back in a All Black 7 jersey. Yeah, and it was really cool for him to acknowledge that um, when he first made the All Blacks, it was because of the Sevens and no other reason, you know. So it was really cool for him to mention that and, and say that, and he, and he doesn't shy away from the fact that Sevens got him fit. Um, he went over to these places in the world like South Africa and France and, and all over the place, where, in London, where, where um, you learn your trade, you know, you get people screaming at you, but, um, you know, you learn a lot of things. So when he made the All Blacks, it was no big thing, you know. He was used to that um, that stuff under pressure. So I think a lot of... Um, a lot of that he, he acknowledged when he when he made the All Blacks. And then I guess last, looking forward, you've had a lot of tournaments amongst yourself, but there's a Trans Tasman bubble now. Do you know are uh, New Zealand going to play Australia, or is there going to be some hybrid tournaments between the two nations? Yeah, I know. I think they've been uh, waiting for this uh, Trans Tasman bubble to crack for a while, so I think they're, they're going to get on the bike pretty soon and uh, start mixing it up. And, and I think the, the ladies are going over pretty soon. I think I would talking to their coach, uh, Corey Sweeney. So they're, they're definitely trying to, to, to get game time against against the Aussies and maybe even the Pacific Islanders. I think they're trying to tee up, maybe going to Fiji and, and that, so in Samoa. So I know it's definitely been sitting there for a while, but we've just been waiting um, for, for, for it to come along. So it's, um, and you know what it's like, you know, you keep sick of smashing each other. You'd rather smash someone else. So um, Yeah, what's that, what's that like? You you would have played in a lot of internal games before. Like, what's it like when you're yeah. playing against your teammates? You kind of want to get one up on them, but also you don't want to be deleting your mates week in, week out, do you? <laughs> yeah, we loved it, though. We thrived on it. I'll be honest, that was our mentality when we were running around. It'll be a good day if we didn't have a fight at training, I'll be honest with you. So it was, um, <laughs> it was all funny games, you know. You smoke each other, and then straight after, you know, you have a bit of a laugh about it. Mate, mate, good luck with that black guy. Get some ice, son. Get some ice on that, son. So... Um, but no, you're right, you're right. And the thing is with us, our mentality was if you can smash your mate, then there's no excuse to smash someone you don't know. So that was all always our thought. Well, we're all here jealous that you're talking about crossing borders and playing rugby against different countries. We can be- we can only just pretty much leave our house now over here. So I think it's going to be a long time until we're, uh, Great Britain are going to be playing tournaments, unfortunately. <laughs> Yeah, let's keep our fingers crossed because we want a competitive Olympics. We want those teams to be strong, you know, especially for you guys to come in and, and, and hopefully, you know, this vaccine starts kicking in and we all start getting back on the road. Oh, mate, bring it on. Um, well, Katie, mate, what, what an absolute pleasure to have you on as always and so good, if not a bit terrifying to hear about what's going on down in NZ. Cheers, brother. Always a pleasure, my man. One night and heaven, one night and heaven. Some serious skills on show last weekend. You can jump on the socials of the Black Ferns and the All Black Sevens to check out the extended highlights. But the people who were in the tries, Ray Nuu, Liam Coombs, Fabling, uh, who else? Brady Rush got a pair, Tom Florence. And then the Black Ferns, it was Teresa Fitzpatrick, Tyler Nathan Wong on fire and Riza Liana Pori Lane. Go check it out. You two are both back at home this week and I can't, well, there's only so much you can update from the camps, but give us, I'd say, 90 seconds of the best bits from GB camp this week. Go. So, quick 90 seconds from the men's. Best bit of the camp was Tom Bowen missing an overhead kick, which was outstanding. Um, went for an overhead kick in a football game, missed it. Um, we got tested this week um, so we had our first full seven on seven on a Wednesday. So that was a full biff, full biff to kind of uh, four sets of five like little games. Um, it was quite tough. Um, and then on the Thursday, they tried to put us through our paces, kind of replicating the day two. So in like a normal session, we'll run between like five and six 
um gay a session uh, but this case, this uh, session was up there and it was everyone hit over 7k and normally in the five and between the five and 6k like a normal session high speed running would be like 200 300 meters maybe maybe a bit more in this there was a thousand meters of high speed so it was a real tricky session like pushing us physically and mentally at the end of a week to try and dig in um and it was tough and I felt horrendous on the Thursday morning before the session and I felt even worse on the Friday morning after it um, but that's kind of our week summed up in 90 seconds the women's week summed up in 90 seconds I'm trying to think of anything that interesting that happened um, but in our um, dodge we did had a dodgeball game this week and our physio Izzy absolutely blew everyone's mind and was the last person in on my team versus about seven people from the other team. She did inevitably lose, but it was incredible. Uh, we were also tested with our first um, 7v7 full contact this week, which I absolutely loved. Um, I hate any sort of touch. So the fact that we got to play 7v7, it was a really good uh, stepping step stone to see where we are um, on, our, on our journey. Um, we also hit a, a pretty hard session on the on the Friday as well as kind of the same as the men. Um, well, Bernsey, how were you? How were you anyway, my friend? Because we all, uh, Bert, Bert, we'll come on to you, but we always kind of breeze past. You know, you're always the one asking the questions. And now, selfish Mitch isn't here. I'll ask you, Bernsey, how are you? How am I? How am I? I've been busy, mate. I've been working on the European Cup for BT. Been commentating on the Championship. Commentated on Saracens the other day, and. If anyone is a championship follower, if they're an English rugby follower, I'm not sure Saracens are going to make it out of the championship. I like, honestly, honestly, Ealing look that good. And Saris, yeah, they didn't have a Toje. They didn't have... Um, oh, am I talking about too much rugby? Am I talking too much rugby? Maybe. I just, that's I... how you are. You can give me the in-depth analysis of the championship if you'd like. <laughs> you can carry on. <laughs> This is how much, this is what Pops gets all the time, is it? She says, how was your day, Burnsy? And then Saracens didn't get out of the championship. They didn't have a Toji and their breakdown retention was, it was at 68%. And I'll be honest with you, and that's not good enough. <laughs> well, funny, funny you mentioned Pops when I was going off to the game. Quite a big, you know, big game to be commentating on. Pops goes, as I'm walking out the door, instead of good luck, you know, call a great game, she goes, Oh, Toje's my favourite. Make sure you say hi. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but can I pick you up on that? Is that is that like a women's thing? Because whenever I leave the house, Annika said, "Oh, like, she, oh, where, where are you going? Oh, like, I'm going to meet Bernsey for a walk in the park." She goes, "I'm oh, say hi." But no, I turn up. Oh, Bernsey, by the way, Annika says hi. No, I, ne I never do it. Is is it like a women's thing? Do you like go and say, "Oh, like, Chippy said to say hello." Yeah, I do actually. Weird. Like if like if one of my mates is like if I'm with my mum, so yeah, I'm just just with my mum. One of my mates says, "Oh, make sure you say hi." I go, "Oh yeah, Sydney said hi by the way," and then she's like, "I'll tell her I say hi back," and they just start like, have a conversation through me. Weird. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna save a lot of of air and words here that the message never gets passed on. Don't don't give it to don't give it to me. Don't give it to Chip. I think I think don't give it to a man. The message never goes on. Really. It's like when you come back and um, we can go into the men and women's thing for, for a while if you want, but we'll just wrap it up real quick. It's like, it's like when you come back from, like say I've been out for a walk with Burnsy and we've been for like two hours or whatever. Oh, what do you talk about? Oof, not, I don't know, nothing really. Like, unless there was like a major point that happened, I'm not going to be able to recall any of the conversation. What? 
But I enjoyed it. <laughs> is, it? I, is this just me? And in a way, in a way, that's deeper. That is deeper because there isn't there isn't any framework around it. There's no substance. It's just that feeling of that was nice. You just enjoyed the connection. Oh gosh, God, men are so real. Look, <laughs> people don't tune in for this stuff. They tune in for the real issues. Uh, so let's kick things off with the biggest feedback that we got last week. Did you watch Line of Juicy last night? <laughs> yeah, outstanding, wasn't it? Outstanding. And on the intro, they said Ben Coppers. Oh, good. Enough nonsense from us. We are here to talk about rugby and specifically rugby sevens. Last week, we gave a pretty decent synopsis about what happened at the Emirates sevens out in Dubai. But this week, we're going to hear it straight from one of the horse's mouths or one of the camel's mouths, rather, who were out there last week in the men's competition. It is Canada captain Nate Hiriyama. Nate Hiriyama up in the clouds, up in seventh heaven. Mate, what a pleasure to actually have you here because you, of course, have been on the pod before when Mitch took you down for an intimate weird date down in Vancouver last time you guys were there. Yeah, it was a one-on-one coffee date in Coal Harbour. Um, It was awesome. It was... uh most one-on-one times I've spent with Mitch and uh, yeah, no, it was, uh, it was good. It was good to get that in prior to, prior to the pandemic. I think we were just looking forward to that weekend, but obviously the world's changed a lot since, since then. Hey, so you've done well to get through it without falling asleep. Let many a man has fallen asleep after a combo with Mitch. Um, what, what have you been doing since then? What's, what's Canadian rugby been up to? Cause I know like quite, I follow quite a few of you on Insta um, and the lads have been out and about doing other jobs and getting, getting through stuff. So what's kind of been, what's been the goal since uh, Vancouver? Man, we all got, uh, I think kind of like everyone, we kind of got shut down right after the pandemic kind of hit in North America. Um, uh, so yeah, guys were kind of on their own for the first few months there. And then, um, we were given the option to come in in I think it was September or August for like uh, it was an optional training time. You had the you had the option to opt in or opt out, um, but um, they also gave you the option to opt out if if you were gonna if you had jobs or other opportunities on the go to kind of like get by. Uh, guys, some guys took those, and um, yeah, some boys are selling real estate. Some boys are uh, we got a crane salesman. I was doing some coaching at the university, so. Um, yeah, if you guys uh, are into any of those things and when you're in Canada next time, I, I can hook you up with uh, the right people. Man in the know. <laughs> so, so, Nate, can you just clear up for all the listeners, how does Canadian Sevens work prior to the pandemic? Was everybody fully professional, so just just 100% rugby? Yeah, that's a completely new thing now. We were uh, full-time, five days a week, both the men's and women's programs. Then um, obviously kind of the landscapes change and not healthiest union uh we've you know had to find other things to supplement su- supplement pay and uh yeah so it's uh it's been an interesting interesting time for for canadian rugby and just everyone everyone in general i feel your pain it's been terrible i hear you chip how was how was uh i wanted to ask you chip how was the 15 stuff yeah it was good i'm interesting like it's so different like you but you know when your body's conditioned well mine was getting to be conditioned to, for sevens to be able to kind of work for obviously i was aiming for about 10 minutes a game or like however long running the waters on uh but then going to 15s and the just the attrition of it and playing against i thought i was quite big i was like oh happy days i'm quite big and then going in and you forget how big the 15s players are they are absolute monsters so my neck and shoulders took a hit the first couple of first couple of weeks but then after that mate, i was loving it 
absolutely loving it. Like I was in a good club with good good people and it's just good to get some game time as well. So were there any opportunities for you or any of the other Canadian boys to play any 15s? Because I know the Toronto Arrows are in the Major League Rugby. That's the Canadian franchise that are in the mix in North America. Yeah, yeah, that's in, uh, yeah, that's our one MLR team. A, a couple of boys are down in the States now at different clubs. Um, but other than that, uh, no, no one was really playing much rugby at all. That, that MLR just kind of kicked up too in the, in the new year. So prior to that, everyone was kind of in the same boat over here. Um, just envious of all the rugby going on in the world. And I was watching, uh, I was a Quinns fan after I saw Chippy sign there and watching all the, uh, the test matches down in New Zealand and uh, Australia in the fall. It was, uh, man, it was definitely, you know, some, some jealous times. Mate, speaking of jealous times, we've just been watching you out in Dubai. How was that? Oh, man, it was good. It was good. Uh, it was great to play again. I think like we were talking about before chippy just on on text man it didn't feel like a normal tour um like that we were pretty under pretty strict regulations the bubble they didn't want us going outside the bubble which was the hotel so in between sessions and uh, and games we we're just in the hotel and the first three days we couldn't leave our rooms um no sightseeing no coffees and it wasn't like we weren't staying at the intercontinental or anything like like last time but um or like normally but uh, it was. It still wasn't bad. It was great. Great to be there. Great to play. Weird with no fans. Man, it was, oh, just, it was a different time. It was different. Yeah, and it's man. It it's hot in Dubai in December when we go, but man, it's hot right now there. <laughs> Apparently, they stop playing next month because it's too hot. Oof. I should. I should. I needed to come out. I could have come out on loan for Canada and dropped some kilos out there in the heat. <laughs> I think it'd have been all right. A couple of solids. <laughs> Basically in a sauna. I hear you. I hear you. I, do, do you guys do any like heat adaptation stuff prior to tours? Because I guess we're kind of similar climates, you know. When, when you're training for Dubai in the snow. Yeah, exactly, yeah. man. Exactly. It's like snowing here. We're like, I'm wearing a toque and like four layers for sessions and gloves. And then you go to Dubai. Like, how do you prepare? It's not, it's, it's tough. It's tough. It's just the, the situation though. We have done some heat acclimatization stuff before. I'm not 100% how short, how like good it is because we like we do a hard session and it's like 10, 12 degrees max. But then it's like you go and sit in the sauna after, literally physically go and sit in the sauna uh, and see how close to 20, 25 minutes you can last. But I'm not sure like, I'm not sure the benefits of it, but it was one of them like, if the coach says to do it, I'm in. I'm in, yeah. opting in there. The hot dog, hot chip. <laughs> We started doing um, like for an hour spin sessions in the the cycle um, room where we used to train before. They used to put the heating on full blast, and it was it was atrocious. I was like, "How is this even helping us at all?" Like, it, and it's hard when you do that for an hour, but then you're training actual sevens rugby in the freezing, like as you said, Nate, like literally just layering up to go outside. Like, how do you ad- adapt for it without physically going away? Um, so that's one that we're gonna have to battle with over here uh, talk to me about the tournament then so obviously first week not so great but then obviously at the final in the second week so what was the what was the difference yeah man i think it man it was it was it was definitely like um there's definitely some rust from from i think us and all the teams it wasn't like necessarily the best sevens um initially anyways but as the tournaments went on it was getting more and more competitive and um yeah, the boys played plays boys played really well on day two and uh on that second tournament. And um man, 
RGs look, they look good right now. And then they're well drilled. I think, I don't know. They win. They won both Madrid's, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, but you know, they're, they're not that good. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not much a fan of the RGs. <laughs> don't talk to them about the RGs. Really? Man, they're, man, they look good. They look good. They're organized. Now they deservingly won that tournament. Um, I didn't, I didn't actually play the day two, but uh, as a spectator, it was great. It was great uh, just to see the boys playing and uh, guys getting some minutes after so much time off. And um, yeah, you know, I thought we, I thought we had a good chance in that final, but uh, yeah, like I said, RGs were just too good that game. So when you said before that you guys didn't play the best sevens in week one, what do you mean by that? What for you is playing good sevens or what for Canada is playing good sevens? Yeah. Like we weren't really like clicking, you know, we just seemed like a couple couple seconds, couple milliseconds off of, off, off of things, off of, uh, man, I always think like the best sevens teams and the best sevens players are like the best reactors, you know? So I think we're just like a little bit slow in reacting to one another. You kind of know each other's strengths and what guys are going to do. Um, and I think we were just a little bit, a little bit off on that. Um, and like, yeah, I'm not sure what our error count would have been. It would have been high, but, um, yeah, no, I think all in all, it was super beneficial for us to go there and play those games. Cause uh, yeah, it's been just such a long break prior, and I don't know what we're gonna get, what kind of competition we're gonna get leading into the summer. Is GB doing any comps before the summer that you guys know of? So we were supposed to play in France in a tournament in two weeks, but that's been cancelled now. Um, and then after that, to be honest, mate, there's nothing really. There's rugby Europe that might go ahead, but it's a, it's like ifs and buts. It kind of depends on the states of everyone. So I doubt it, mate, to be honest. The way it's looking at the moment, France, Italy, like anywhere around there, like I don't think they've, they've got half a travel. So um, I don't know. I think the coaches are going to have to get creative and see, see what they can rustle up. But at the moment, it's not looking great, which is making training even more important. So why are Argentina so good at the moment? Why are they so much better than everyone else who's played in these tournaments? Let's get to the bottom of it. You and don't convince me. <laughs> don't convince me. Convince Chip. <laughs> I want to hear Chip's take on it. I didn't realize there was uh, there was beef there, man. I just think they're uh, defensively they're just so sound. Um, I find that's kind of their their bread and butter, um, and they have some exciting young talent. That's come, that have come into the squad, some really quick boys, and um, man, they just make you pay. You gotta just, especially the way we play, we're just playing so many phases against them, and just giving them so much opportunity uh, to turn us over or or whatever. And um, on that, on and when that happens, man, we're just kind of on the back foot. It was it was uh, they're a frustrating team to play against. I find, and kickoff time, I find they're they're strong at kickoff time too, and they don't even they're one of the few teams that that barely pot up and stuff like that on receipts. Um, but I guess just as individual aerialists, they're just so strong and organized around that. And now they're, uh, I think they're playing some great rugby. Who are the players that stood out for you particularly? Chip, what's the deal? Mate, I just don't like him. As blokes, <laughs> I've never had anything anything positive to say about him. Uh, and that's kind of like how I judge them. They're just not... Whenever, have you ever had a nice beer with an RG after a tournament? Probably not. Some slimy, oh, gre- God. greasing around somewhere, loitering around, <laughs> making women feel uncomfortable, and then I judge them on that. So that's right. Oh. That. I don't really care, and I don't really like playing against Man, them because they're good time, though. Yeah, on their own. Yeah, they love going out for a beer after though. Those boys it seems like a great time. Matt, I thought um, their young winger um, Marcus Moneda. 
I think is how you pronounce it. I thought he had a great tournament. I first saw him last year. He's a flyer. And all, all the boys, all the normal boys, all the vets in there were playing well. Um, Revolve's still holding it down, playing really well, organizing things. Uh, man, yeah, they, they, just, they just look strong right now. A fair play to them. I, I, I've, I've always uh, liked the way they play. I don't know what Chippy's deal is. <laughs> Deep-rooted. What about some of the other teams who are out there? Because Kenya particularly impressed all of us out in Madrid, but they didn't quite seem to hit their straps. In fact, William Backer was virtually unplayable in Madrid, but they seem to have had a quieter tournament out in Dubai the last fortnight. Uh, yeah, no, I, I was watching Madrid. Too, man. I was impressed with them in Madrid. Um, I can't really say play, but I think they beat us. They beat us both times we played in, in, uh, in Dubai. but. Um, Man, they're just, just, just dominant at the, at the breakdown in those games against us. I think uh, I'm not, I didn't actually see their their loss. They lost to um, Chile, I think it was in the quarters. Um, but I think that just shows the uh, you know the competitive competitiveness around uh, around those emerging teams. And um, yeah, there was some of those teams that thought played really well as well. Chilele on a bad team, you know. That's the interesting thing that you found for, that I've found from the Dubai and Madrid tournaments. The teams that are coming coming through, um, especially on the women's side, um, that like your Brazil and also with Kenya as well, who we haven't really seen on the series, they're starting to play better rugby now, um, which is like linked straight across with the men as well. Um, you don't usually see them put that much that much out there, but these two tournaments has definitely shown um progression um what like what i've seen on the women's side and, and you see it on the men's now they're just more competitive um which i think is really exciting like there's no longer like a i wouldn't say like a walkover team but like a team that you get in your pool and you think oh they they're going to be easy to beat i'd say like do you find that with with the men as well now no i definitely find that with the men now i think um just all those teams vying for, for core status. It's just getting more and more competitive. And, um, you know, I always look forward to watching that, that repishage or kind of tournament, the qualifier tournament in Hong Kong every April to see who's going to be coming onto the series. Cause in, I think it was 2011, 2012, we qualified. And I just remember that tournament just being nerve wracking and, um, man, it's just, there's just so much, it, it would just be a terrible time to get relegated and then have to compete with all those teams to get back on. Um, but yeah, no, it's, uh, I'm totally with you there, Abby. Yeah. And with, with that as well, like, so obviously over here in GB, we have our men's and women's programs are linked. Um, what's that like in Canada? Like, uh, we're, well, we're linked, we're training at the same facility and all that, but now with all the COVID restrictions and stuff that we got going on, we don't see, anyone outside our team really because they don't want any overlap at the facility um so we, we saw the girls in in um in dubai and they, they, played, they played really well as as usual um but uh as far as kind of like overlap and stuff like that even even prior to covid like was there any like cross with your skills like sessions and stuff like that or has it always been quite separate uh it's always been quite separate we've we've had like yard session together over the years we play like touch or like do like the odd, very odd but uh, for the most part it was it was pretty separate how are you guys linked we don't we aren't really linked like on the pitch but off the pitch i'd say that over the past couple of years um with the men and women 
being at the same base. I think we've been able to learn a lot, a lot from each other just with like analysis of rugby. And I, I'd say that we're, we're a unit. Um, we're not just as separate men's and women's programs. Now I'd say that we're, we're all as, as one now. I would, would you say that chip? <laughs> chip will go, nah, I hate all the girls. <laughs> no, no, no. I think obviously being at the same training base, um, the last couple of years when we were at the Lensbury in London, um, the small conversations was more of the link, like off the field. So it was more like asking questions and kind of, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? What would you have done here? More so than any mixed training, because we, we tried it for a week, but we, we, didn't, we didn't really kick on after that. Um, but we've got coaches who work across both programs kind of inter- interlinked and I'm sure they bring in ideas and themes throughout the men and women's but I'd say that's that's the main link for us in general in general which kind of works out really well for us uh, it's just kind of building the relationships to be able to ask the questions across men and women's if that makes sense hey let's take a step into the past if we may because believe it or not the last world series tournament that was ever played was in Vancouver over a year ago and like, firstly, Vancouver has just been such an enormous hit on the series. Like, the players love it. The fans love it. They go ballistic in the stands. The TV loves it. A, that's awesome. But B, it was a particularly special one for you last year for Canada. Because it's the first time you podiumed, I think, since Singapore in 2018. Is that right? I might be a bit off on that. But it was pretty special. Oh, yeah, it was really special. It was really special. Um, yeah, I know, like you said, the, it, the tournament's such a hit there. Um, Chip, were you at the first one in 2016? Yeah, it was amazing. Man, I remember rolling in that day and just thinking, man, I hope, I hope it's like decent. You know, I hope, I hope people come and they enjoy it. And then that first year, it was crazy. And then since then, it just keeps growing. And the people, the, the organizers do such an unreal job with it. Um, the the fans of Vancouver and the people traveling in to to watch are amazing there every year and it's man, it's just so loud it's it's obviously different playing on the turf I don't know what you think of that chip but um, no it was a, it was a special it was a special year and it's always a special weekend for us playing there but you'd be surprised the amount of people I speak to and they always ask me like oh like it's a generic question when you meet someone isn't it like what's your favorite tournament to play in. And my answer is always like Vancouver, but the amount of people like players, coaches, people, just general people we speak to or interview, what's your favorite tournament? It's Vancouver. And I, th- I don't know what it is about it. The atmosphere that's built, I think it's the roof, you know, the roof on the stadium and the people who come and the buy-in, like it's, it's one of the best. That's awesome, man. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm always like, obviously we have nothing to do with organizing the tournament, but it's always kind of like <laughs> nice to hear that as a- uh... Mate, take the credit, take the credit. Yeah, yeah. Just no, and just getting to see awesome. you and your home environment, Nate. That's that's just fills me with joy. <laughs> why? Why is it? Do you think that it has captured the imagination of the locality so well? Because you know, rugby isn't the major sport in Canada, but the people of Vancouver seem to go bananas for it. And if we're being honest, maybe London Sevens could learn a few things about Vancouver because London Sevens has somewhat lost its spark in the last few years. Yeah, it's a good question. I, I've obviously never been there as a spectator. I'm looking forward to that one day. But, um, you know, just from my take on it is like it's obviously just like a lot of the tournaments, they kind of really pump that that party atmosphere. And um, Vancouver and, and BC being such a diverse place to live, I feel like so many people of all different you know, backgrounds can really get on board with with supporting their their team. Or there's a ton, there's a ton of English people there. Chip, I know you, you probably see quite a few English 
flags in, in the, uh, in the stands when you're playing and um, man, like I, me and the guys always talk about it. Like, I think I knew just like a handful of Fijian people in my life uh, growing up in BC, but whenever we're at the tournament, there's just Fijians coming out of everywhere. It's amazing. Um, yeah. So I think the diverse population has a huge role to play in that. Um, man. I, and as from a player perspective, I just think it's, it's just a bit, it's a bit different than the other stops. Just the climate's a bit different. I know we were scrimmaging Fiji a few years ago and I was chatting with a couple of the boys after and like, oh, what are you guys doing this week? It was early. It was like Monday or Tuesday and they had a few days before the tournament. And I'm like, what are you guys doing this week? And they're just saying like, oh man, we're going, we're going up to the mountain to see the snow. Like we've never seen snow before. And like things like that, it's kind of cool. And I think it's just a bit different than, than other places on the series. That's mad. Nate, would you say that um, having a home advantage like helps as well in those tournaments? Like obviously you did so well last year. Did having that, that home crowd help with that? Oh yeah, I definitely think it helps for sure. I think it's just it's just easier to find that that like extra gear or that extra push. Do you guys find that when you play at home? Sometimes it's kind of balanced between like the pressure because we always talk about it leading into Twickenham. It's like oh, like are we going to balance pressure versus expectation, and then kind of like trying to get the balance between that and enjoying it, um, which is tough at Twickenham because. We were all massively disappointed when the crowds got with the because they put like a cap on the amount of people who can come and watch because a lot of people getting arrested. So that was kind of always a bit sweet kind of oh mm-hmm. class. We got thirty thousand in a seventy five thousand seat stadium, so having a bit of a dig at the powers that be. But um, it's building. It was building back up, and I always loved playing at playing at Twickenham. A few years ago, at day one, there was something like eighty thousand in there. Yeah, those were the days, man. That was probably the last big one that was there. Yeah, that was crazy. What about you, Bert? You'd kill to play a tournament at Twickenham, wouldn't you? <laughs> I'd absolutely kill for it. Honestly, like it's it's such a sh- it is a shame that we don't have uh, a home tournament. I think a lot of even within like rugby rugby Europe, like nations get to have the nations that aren't on the series, they get to have a home stop. Um, but like I've been Twickenham. I've been tricking them as a spectator twice, um, supporting the boys, and I've I I love it whenever we go, and I make sure that I'm one of the loudest people on the side of the pitch in my big northern accent, uh, cheering on the boys. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a shame. I wish I wish that we had a home tournament because when we we had one um, tournament rugby rugby X, um, which was um, like modified rules, um, so it's like five aside, and we we had that in the O2. And that was amazing. Like just a first time I'd ever wore an England shirt in front of like a home na- my home nation. Like it, it was mad. And I can only imagine it feels like that on like steroids when you're in the stadium at Vancouver. So I am very jealous. I am jealous. That's really cool. I, I was watching that rugby exit. Looked interesting. I mean, what do you guys think of that? Hated it. <laughs> you hated it. Yeah. The environment, right? The setup for it was amazing. Like mm. the stand, the format, kind of being the fans right on top of you being in the like kind of in the dark and like fire when you come out like class short games good smaller pitch not too bad i just think that they just did it i don't know the gameplay was a bit crap for me like for the men's um a lot of like the stuff that i actually normally enjoy in 15s like picking and going and just getting scragged at nine and i don't know i think for the what they were trying to push for to try and make it more exciting they should like make influence new rules so like you can't scrag the nine so like the nine has to play from the base just get it out just because like the amount of boring games there was especially that we had it was just like 
getting smoked, getting smoked, getting smoked, getting turned over. And it was just like, I don't know, wasn't quite as expansive as like the sevens that I like playing rather than the more attritional kind of thing. And the Audrey's won, so it kind of put a sour taste in the mouth. <laughs> Is there another one scheduled? I'm not sure, actually. I think there might have been, but I think COVID might have might have burned that one. Yeah, not sure. But like, from a women's point of view, we loved it. Like we absolutely loved it. We we did a trial run of the Rugby X and we just got like, you've got to have a tactical like system when you're going into it because we did it the first time. We just went for as long as we could go and then just got subbed off. Actually, we did like full on rotations, like four on, four off. Like, and we did it like that. And we, I, I like, I love that whole, because defense were always up going to smash people in a small sided area. It's basically like a big tackle drill and I loved it. Um, so I'm surprised you didn't really enjoy it that much, Chip. But if the Argies did win, then that's maybe why you didn't enjoy it. But, you know. We didn't have a great team either, which didn't help. Um, but that sort, that sort of innovation, it's important. I think that those kind of events when they're trying new ways of engaging the fans, maybe a few new rules thrown in, like the 10s. I love the conversion jeopardy uh, from Bermuda. I think that's a bit of a crazy off the wall idea, but it's something that gets the fans excited. So if they could take elements of rugby X, like being indoors, blacked out fire, um, the, the thing for extra time when you drop players and by the end of it, it's a one-on-one like that sort yeah. of stuff that could be really useful for sevens in turning it into a, a better product to get more people in watching. Copyright Joe Burns, 2021. <laughs> I here first. Yeah, I thought that uh, I thought that kicking roulette was interesting. You could t- for the ten. Did you go to, down for the tens, Chip? Oh, did yeah, he go down? Really good, did, he, did he go down to the tens? Go on, Chip. Go on, go on, go on, Chip. Go up to the trophy room. <laughs> <laughs> Don't encourage him. We'll be here all day. Did he go to the tens, Nate? You're on a fast track to be blacklisted from seventh heaven. With Chip signing it <laughs> off, mate. He wasn't as active on social media as Mitch was that week, so I don't think I might have forgotten. Uh, right, Nate, what an absolute pleasure to have you on. When are we going to see you and the rest of the Canadian boys wearing red jerseys in any competition before the Olympics comes knocking? Man, I'm not sure. Honestly, I, I don't know what we'll be able to do. I'm really hoping we can get some sort of competition in prior. But like I said, just with the quarantining um, leading like post, post-tournament, if we were to leave... Um, it just makes it so complicated. So I know we're looking into potentially hosting people here, teams that don't have to uh, don't have to do the quarantine when they go home. Um, so fingers crossed, we can get something like that on the go. Cool. Well, if you get the Argentinians over, just be sure to say hi from Big Chip for us. I will for sure. Yeah. Don't t- go and push them in some lake somewhere. Top. Send my send my best to the lads tonight as well. Yeah, I will for sure. You do you as well, uh, Chippy. Hope you guys are training well. You as well, Ertz. Hope everything's going well over there. Thanks, Nate. Bernsey, love your work. One night in heaven, one night in heaven. Nate, one of the good guys. One of the good guys on the circuit, as you boys tell me time and time again. Absolute legend. Um, like, proper good player on the on the pitch. Like, pulls the strings for Canada. I don't know, he gets enough credit for how good a player he is. Um, but an absolute gent of a bloke, as is the majority of the Canadian team. I like, can only speak highly of that team as players and as blokes. Like, top lad. And he, he epitomises Canadian rugby for me. When the Canadians are running as hot as the colour of their jersey, they are bloody good, aren't they? Like we mentioned there, that tournament in Vancouver last year, they were awesome. And a whisker 
away from being in that gold medal match. Yeah, and he pulls the, he pulls the strings from him. That's what I'm saying. He is like, he's electric. His kicking is great. And Mitch obviously watches clips of him kicking because he kicks off both feet. Do you know that? Left and right footed, equally as good on each. He's a talented bloke. Um and just a, a all round good guy. That when when I always watch the the Canadian men play, um, he's the one who's just in the mix. He basically runs a show for them, and it's it's really inspiring to hear like how they've come through COVID and how they're progressing now on their on their journey to Tokyo as well. Right, that wraps things up for another episode of your Celestial One Stop Pod for all things Rugby Sevens. Seventh Heaven's going to be back in your ears next week with me, Burnsy, Chip and Burtz. Thanks to Nate for coming on. Thanks to KT for giving us the wisdom from down under. But until next time, it is adios. Sirvi. Peace out. <laughs>